so many in our church family, just like Lyle Barstow, uh, who come with the mindset, I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve in such a way that others find blessing. Uh, Lyle, what you may not know is that uh, Lyle in his health has had to move to Indiana uh, to uh, uh, live with his sister. And he's still leading the class from Indiana. We've got church members all over the 48 states, amen? And, so we're, and around the world. But we're so excited about people like Lyle, now, like you, uh, who come to church with a perspective that looks a lot like Jesus. Let me ask you a question. When you get here, when you come to church, do you think, how am I going to be served? Or do you think, how will I serve? Do you come to church with a mindset that says, hey, I'm here, serve me. Or do you come to church with a mindset that says, hey, I'm here, who can I serve? If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 20. We're going to look at verses 20 through 28. We're looking at what it takes or what, it, what makes for a healthy heart, a, a healthy uh, mindset, a healthy way of life, a healthy heart. And we've been looking through the gospel of Matthew. Last week, we looked at a healthy heart as a forgiving heart. Uh, today, we're looking at a serving heart. And, and so I want us to look at what Jesus says about serving. Let, leaning in to verse 28, Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. I, I want you to just hear what Jesus says. The Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. I want you to get the picture there because if you're here and, and you say you're part of this church family, that means you're a follower of Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that means you're going to live the way Jesus lived. And when Jesus stepped out of time and eternity into the skin and the sandals of a little baby, when he became God with us, incarnate son of God, when Jesus came on the scene of human history, if there ever was anyone who deserved to be served, it was Jesus. If there was anyone who could say, it is my right for everyone to serve me, it was Jesus. But Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. So let's ask the question, am I like Jesus? That's what it means to follow Jesus. It means that our, our, our heart and our hands and our perspective needs to be like Jesus. Have you come today to be served or have you come to serve? I get it. I really do. There are times when I'm thinking, oh my goodness, doesn't somebody serve me? Somebody serve me. I was sitting out in the uh, next steps booth and I said, man, I wish I had a cup of coffee. And my beautiful, wonderful wife said, honey, do you want me to go get you a cup of coffee? And I said, no, I'll be okay. <laughs> but but she, was, she had the mindset, I'm here to serve. And, and that's the perspective that we need to have. Now, you might not believe that. You might believe, well, no, I've, I've been here uh, 10 years. I've been here two months. I've been here 
uh, 20 years. I've been here 50 years. It's time for people to serve me. No. No. Absolutely not. It doesn't mean you won't be served. It just means that you don't come to the family with the perspective that I deserve to be served. That's not what it means to follow Jesus. And that's definitely not what it means to have a healthy heart. A healthy heart is a heart that is set to serve, to serve others. That's what a healthy heart looks like. And the opposite is also true. An unhealthy heart is a heart that seeks to be served. Doesn't mean we don't ask for help. Doesn't mean that that we're not looking for people to, to, to meet a need that we have, but that's not our overriding concern. That's not our first thought. That's not our perspective. Our perspective as followers of Jesus, if we are going to be like Jesus, I'm here to serve, not to be served. Uh, you uh, know uh, Queen Elizabeth died, longest living monarch of uh, Great Britain in its history. That's, that's huge. And you've probably seen and heard parts of what her commitment was when she was, uh, uh, took the throne as a 21-year-old. Now let, let me give you just one sentence from what she said. She said, I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service. Those are fine words. Those are noble words. But Jesus lived those words. The Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. What led Jesus to take this journey and teach us about the priority of serving others rather than to be served? What, what led him to do that? Well, he had an encounter with uh, the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Now, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, two of the disciples, uh, they uh, were uh, um, 30 years old and uh, they had a full beard. And they still sent their mama to ask Jesus for a favor. (laughs) Kid you not, that's exactly what happened. And mama, being the great helicopter mom that she was, she jumped right in it. You look at the beginning of verse 20. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. Then the mother of of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And and he said, what do you want? And she said, grant that these two sons of mine, can you hear? I mean, I can hear, can't you? Oh, Jesus, grant that these two sons of mine uh, may sit, one on your right hand, the other on your left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you don't know what you're asking. And then he turns to James and John and he asks, are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm about to be baptized with? And they said, we are. Can I, can, just a few sentences above verse 20, Jesus has just said, hey, listen, it's time. 
I'm going up to Jerusalem. When I get to Jerusalem, I'm going to be treated unfairly and unkindly. I'm going to be arrested, given to the hands of the Gentiles, and I'm going to be killed. And three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. And it's as if James and John and their mama and the other disciples, it's, it's as if they skipped over the, and I'm going to be killed part. And so when Jesus asked them, are you able to, are you, you think you're going to be able to drink from the cup I'm about to drink and be baptized with the water I'm about to be baptized? You think you're going to be able to do that? And they said, oh, we are. Verse 23, so Jesus said, you indeed will drink the cup and you indeed will be baptized uh, with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared for from the Father. And then when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. All right, so stop for a second. James, uh, one of the sons of Zebedee, the very first martyr of the church. Jesus uh, is crucified. He's raised from the dead. He hangs out with the disciples. Acts 1.8, he ascends to the right hand of the throne of God. He commissions the church. The Spirit of God falls upon the church in Acts chapter 2. And then the church takes off in Jerusalem. And James, the brother of John, the son of Zebedee, is killed by the sword. He drank the cup. John, his brother had decades of torture left where he would be beaten. History tells us uh, that that he was probably taken more than once uh, to the executioner's chair, but spared. Beaten more times than we can count. Put in exile as an older man in Patmos and died in Ephesus. Not a carefree life. But they were living out what Jesus said every disciple, every follower of Jesus must live out. Jesus said, if, you, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow after me. So the suffering should be expected, but that's not what James and John were at. They were asking for seats of honor. Now, they, they were asking to be Somebody. I don't know how many of y'all like to watch silly movies like uh, Anchorman, but Ron Burgundy is a main character in the Anchorman, and he comes up trying to impress somebody, and he says, I don't know if you've heard, but I'm kind of a big deal. James and John wanted to be that big deal. And then... When the other 10 disciples heard it, it says they were displeased greatly. They were, they, they were vexed. They were upset. They were indignant. Whatever your translation says, they weren't mad because James and John asked what they asked. They were mad because James and John asked for it first. Oh my goodness, they were saying, oh, we should have done that. Where was our mother when we needed her? But listen, they all had the wrong mindset. They they all had a faulty view. And so Jesus takes the opportunity to to, uh, correct the thinking of his followers and of us, to help us see that 
that we've got to flip the script on our perspective. If you're here today and you think that being a big deal is the most important thing, in fact, uh, you have this faulty view that, that the only thing that matters is your rank or your privilege or your status or being boss of somebody else. If you believe that sitting here today is the community of believers called the church and that there is someone here who has, uh, who's more important than someone else, make no mistake, we got to flip that script today. And Jesus demands it. So what does he teach us? Well, he's teaching us how to have a healthy heart. And to have a healthy heart means that we have to set our hearts on serving others. But what does that mean? Well, it means first, we've got to reject a faulty view. We've got to reject a faulty view. What is the faulty view? Look, look, look. Verse 25. So Jesus called his disciples to himself and he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. All right, he's not just talking about uh, ethnicities here. Gentiles, not about, he's talking about people who are part of God's family, people who aren't part of God's family. He's using Gentiles as a shorthand for people who aren't part of God's family. And so when he says the Gentiles, you know how they do it, they lord it over. What he's saying is, If you're not part of God's family, then your deep desire is to be the boss of somebody else. That's what you want to do. And you know, before we get all bent out of shape, we know what that's like. I mean, if you're a bottle washer, you want to be the boss of somebody else who's a bottle washer. If, if, if If you're in the PTA, you want to lead the top project in the PTA. I remember there was one time, uh, uh, Mike Owens, chairman of Deacons, I remember there was one time, Mike, when a, uh, one of our members came and said, and, and had an uh, interview with me, um, a meeting with me, not an interview, had a meeting and brought his resume and said, this is uh, why I should be a deacon in the church. What? Huh? Because you own a business and have done, and I mean, it was a resume. All, all his accomplishments, all the things that he thought ought to give him status in the church. It's almost as if he doesn't know that the very meaning of the word deacon is servant, not status. So we all get in this. Look, all of us have a seat that we call our throne and we want people to come and pay homage. All of us have that problem. But even though all of us have the problem, doesn't mean that we should accept it as good, right, or holy. It's not. Especially in our family, especially in our church, especially in our workplace, we need to reject the idea that being the boss of someone is the most important thing. Some of y'all are in the military, and I'm about to say something that's going, I don't know if it'll offend you or not. I hope it doesn't. It doesn't matter what rank you are when it comes to God's kingdom. 
It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter what rank you are. Now, I'm not saying rank doesn't matter. I'm just saying that when it comes to importance or being a big deal or anything, it's not your rank. It's how you represent Christ holding that rank. Okay? Hey, and please understand, um, the faulty view of importance, the greatest offenders are pastors. I mean, we really are. We know better, but we embrace it anyway. We think, oh, if I can get so many followers on Twitter, how many, ha- have so many views on, on if, a, if you have a preacher and he's on TikTok, I just want to say you need to rebuke him immediately. <laughs> that's not true. I, I, I'm, that's judgmental. That's not true. You need to ask questions, but not rebuke. You need to ask questions. But we, we have these pastors, that you, you see them, and Edie, Edie has watched it all our lives. You know, you walk into a room of other pastors, and the ego is so thick. And you watch, and, and who cuddles up to whom is all about who's the biggest deal in the room. And it's not supposed to be that way. And we think, we think, all of us, we think, if I can get the most important chair, if I can be the VIP, then, hey, my life is going to be satisfying. But it won't be because you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, even the Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. We are followers of Jesus. We need to flip the script. We need to reject this, this faulty view of what it means to be important, and we need to embrace Christ's call to serve. You see, that's what Christ does. He says, look, it's not about what a big deal you are. It's not about you sitting in the VIP section. It's not you having reserved parking. It's not you being the boss of somebody else, but rather it is you and I serving others. So if we're going to have a healthy heart that is set to serve, we reject the faulty view of importance and we embrace, we embrace Christ's call to serve. Now, what Jesus does, first part of verse 26, he says, yet it shall not be so among you. He said, all this other way of doing life, that's not the way it is for people who are part of God's family. That's not the way it is for you and for me. We are not here uh, to be a big deal like that, but rather we are here for a different purpose. We need to flip the script. He says, uh, it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to become great among you let him be your servant. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. So let, let me dig here for a second in, into some of these words. All right. So first, there's a comparison. Verse 20, say, whoever wants to be great, let him be a servant. A great is a big, is, is a, a, a big word. It, you know, like, you're great. To be great, you have to be a servant. That's a person who Uh, In a household, uh, you have limited freedoms and you give yourself completely to serve other people in the household. That's servant. And that's the word that we get deacon from. Okay? So you want to be great, you've got to take a lowly position as a servant. But verse 27, Jesus ramps it up. If great is a big deal... First is an even bigger deal. Great is here. First is here. It's the difference between being a captain and a general. 
right? It, it is, it, it, great is a big deal, but first is a bigger deal. You want to be first, then you must take an even lower position because servant is here and doulos, slave, is here. So in the way God works the family, the way God works greatness, the, the, the more lowly we are, the more humble we are, the more intent on serving others we are, the more God says, you're a big deal to me. You see how that's flipping the script? It's not about the positions we hold or the prestige we might get or the platform we might have. It's all about serving. Jesus said, even the Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So the question is, why are you here? Why am I here? Friends, we are here to serve others. And God says, now that is a big deal. Amen. You, you and I, we, we do, we want to make a difference for God's kingdom, no doubt, but um, we try to do it in the wrong way. Philippians chapter 2. And just, just in this, uh, you can write down in Matthew 20, right in the margin, Philippians chapter 2, uh, uh, but uh, flip over there if you, if you have a moment, flip to Philippians, uh, turn to Philippians. If you're just now trying to figure the Bible out, we're in Matthew. That's kind of almost the center of the Bible. Philippians is toward the back of the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. All right? So you get to Philippians. You get to Revelation, you've gone too far, go on back toward the middle. All right? So Philippians chapter 2, and by the way, if you're using a uh, version or a Bible app, that's a lot easier because there's a little tab at the top where you can just push that little tab and say, I want Philippians, right? And scroll down. Anyway, Philippians chapter 2, here's, I mean, straight word of God to you and to me. Just beginning in verse 3, Philippians 2 verse 3, it says, let nothing, I just, a heavy pause. That's rhetorical flourish. Nothing. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each one esteem others more important than oneself. If that's not flipping the script, I don't know what is. You don't come into your family saying, I'm the most important person in the house. Some of you men, you have been... Uh, 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 imbibing in this mentality that you're the king of the household. I believe in spiritual leadership of, of the man, but that spiritual leadership looks like Jesus. It doesn't look like a king sitting on his throne. It looks like Jesus where he came to serve, not to be served. It's not me sitting in my chair. By the way, I do have a chair. It's not me sitting in my chair, shaking my glass saying, honey, come give me some sweet iced tea. It's not me saying I'm the most important person in the room. Or even I'm more important than so-and-so. 
To be like Jesus, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each one esteem others more important than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Verse 5, why do we do this? Let this mind, this attitude, this perspective, this heart, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, and he took the form of a servant, and he came in the likeness of a man. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. And he became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. That is the lifestyle you and I are supposed to have. Jesus relinquished all his rights. Jesus let go the royal robes to take on the the garb of humanity so that he might serve. You and me. And that is how we're supposed to be living our lives. That's what a healthy heart looks like. So when we walk to our work tomorrow, we're not looking, how can y'all serve me? We're looking, how can I serve? We're surveying, we're keeping our head and our heart on a swivel, looking around, whom can I serve today? We go home and we're sitting in our house and we're not looking, although the Cowboys are playing at 8.30 and I want to be in my sitting chair with my remote control on. But God help me, I'm going to, by his grace, I'm not going to sit there and say, who's going to serve me? I'm going to look and say, Who, whom can I serve? This, this is how we're supposed to be living our life. That's what a healthy heart looks like. We embrace Christ's call to serve, and really it comes down to just this. You want a healthy heart that's set to serve? Then follow Jesus. I mean, just follow Jesus. The Son of Man has come. That that verse 28, has come. You know what that that means? That means that he was somewhere else. It means, it points to Jesus as the great one, the pre-existent second person of the Godhead who left eternity and time and put himself smack dab in the middle of humanity. God become flesh and dwelt among us so that he might sacrifice himself for our sin. You might say, well, I'm all about serving people who deserve it. No! Jesus didn't come and serve people who deserved it. He served everyone who didn't deserve it. The Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve. And then, here's the kicker, to give his life as a ransom, the payment price for your sin and mine. Not, we didn't deserve that. We didn't earn that. Jesus came to serve sinners, you and me. He came to serve us. His heart was beating to serve those who are unworthy of service so that he might bring them the blessing of his rescuing grace so that they might be made fit for God's family and spend eternity with him forever. Listen, this is who Jesus is. And if we are followers 
of Jesus. This is who we must be. God says, you want to be a big deal? Then take the lowest seat and serve. Because that's exactly what Jesus did for you. I wonder how many of us will change because of what God's Word says today. I mean, even now, I know that some are sitting here and, 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 and you hear it. You might even believe it, but it's not going to change one thing about you. Please don't be that person. I beg you, don't be that person. Because when I am confronted with the truth of God's Word and the Spirit of God applies it to specifics in my life and I refuse to bend to the will of God given to me by the truth of His Word, applied by the Spirit of God to specifics, when I stiff-arm God in that way, make no mistake, there will be no satisfaction in anything else in my life or in yours. Could it be that one of the reasons so many people are so dissatisfied with church is because they think church is about serving them rather than understanding and seeing that, no, church is about me serving others. Why have have we come here today? Let's make sure and flip the script and be like Jesus. who came not to be served, but to serve. Now, I don't want to minimize anything that Jesus did because there's not one of you who can give his life a ransom for many. (laughs) There is nothing about your life or mine that can rescue anybody from their sin. So I don't want to minimize what Jesus did. There is only one Jesus and only one Jesus who, who could be the perfect sacrifice for sin. There is only one King of kings and Lord of lords who, who takes sin on the chin and dies for my sin in my place and is raised from the dead victorious and sits at the right hand of the throne of God. So when Jesus serves, he serves perfectly and uniquely. But he, I, I'm not saying that, that, I'm not trying to minimize what he's done, but, but Jesus himself set his life up as a model for us to follow. And that model is in service. And all of us are saying, yes, preacher. Yes, somebody ought to serve somebody. Well, this morning, by God's grace and according to his word, I want to introduce you to somebody. Somebody ought to serve. Do you see somebody? Somebody ought to serve. Somebody ought to serve. And that's you and me. So I want to challenge you, encourage you, beg you. Let's be healthy. And by God's grace, Let's flip the script and let's set our hearts to serve. 21 years ago, I don't know if you know where you were. I know where I was. 
September the 11th, 21 years ago in the morning, I was leading uh, a Bible study at a Denny's-like restaurant. Senior adult men gathered together. The TVs were on, but they were muted. And while I'm teaching there in Vicksburg, Mississippi, we see the smoke plume from the Twin Towers. It's the first plane hit. We stopped everything. We began to pray. And even though we were separated hundreds of miles from that devastation in New York City and then at the Pentagon and in a field in Pennsylvania, we felt it. If you lived through it, you felt it too, didn't you? It's in that moment that began as every other day began. That God used the influence and the effort of specific individuals to change lives through service. One of those men that changed lives through service was a guy named Benjamin Clark. Benjamin Clark was a former Marine. Now, I know we have a lot of uh, more Navy than Marines here represented at First Norfolk. And I know many of you believe that Marines are simply a subset of the Navy. But Benjamin Clark was heroic like a Marine. He's a former Marine, but he was serving as a chef on the 96th floor in a mutual funds company in the South Tower in New York City. And he served there um, as the head chef, and he got up that morning and he kissed his wife and his mother goodbye and said goodbye to his dad, talked to his kids and said goodbye, ran on to work, went up to the 96th floor of the South Tower and began uh, preparing meals for uh, all the people in the company there at that mutual fund business. And then the plane hit. Everybody knew something was wrong. But it was in that moment that Benjamin Clark, the former Marine, the chef, stepped up. And he began to serve. He served like he always served. Uh, Benjamin Clark's neighbor said that, that uh, Benjamin would never let him touch a snow shovel because Benjamin Clark was always ready to shovel his neighbor's drive. So when the plane hit, the former Marine and the chef, the servant, stepped up and began to uh, lead the people, hundreds of the people in that company, and he led them, making sure that everyone in his company made their way to the stairwells and made their way down the 96 floors and, and made their way down to safety, leading them out of their floor, the 96th floor. He followed them down. He was the last one out. And as he was making his way down, as the rest of the team was going all the way down to the bottom floor, Benjamin Clark stopped at the 78th. 
Of course, all the people were huddling into the stairwells, making their way down. It was just masses of people, but Benjamin stopped on 78 because there at the edge of the stairwell was a woman bound in a wheelchair who couldn't get down. And others were just leaving her to fend for herself. But not Benjamin. He cheered his people on and said, keep going, keep going. And he stopped and he helped the woman on the 78th floor. Benjamin Clark died that day, serving, sacrificing, not for any recognition, not for a plaque, not even because it was his job, but because that's what we do. If it's true for Benjamin Clark, it should be doubly, triply, quadruply, exponentially true for followers of Jesus in this room today. That we serve, we sacrifice. Not for recognition, not to have a seat at the table, not to be a big deal. We serve because that's who Jesus has made us to be. So why are we here today? Are we here to be served? No. We're here to serve. Would you bow your heads with me, please? In these next few moments as we respond to what God's Word has taught us, what Jesus has, has sparked in our hearts, could I just challenge you just challenge you this week, this very day, will you serve somebody? Will you be the somebody that serves others? Right now, in response to the truth of God's Word and the Spirit of God applying it to your life, will you say, today, I commit myself to serve and to serve in a specific way? God, will you show me someone to serve today? God, help me get out of my comfort zone and serve somebody. In these next few moments, as, as our team comes and plays and they lead us in worship, will you just reflect and ask God in earnest, specific prayer, God, help me set my heart to serve. Will you commit today? You know, we're a church that prays together and we meet at 6.30 on Tuesday nights to pray in the chapel and, and we do that corporately, but we also pray together every day at one o'clock for one minute for one thing. This week, what would, look, what would it look like if everyone online and everyone in the room would commit to pray at one o'clock for at least one minute and pray this one thing, oh God, lead me to someone to serve today. Good gracious, what a difference it would make for God's glory and for God's kingdom.
will you commit to serve? Oh, Eric, I don't have time. Yes, you do. We all do. We set it as a priority. We'll make the time. Eric, I don't have the opportunity. Oh, yes, you will. You ask God for the opportunity. He will give you the opportunity. Today, will you commit to serve? Will you pray at 1 o'clock for at least one minute? Oh, God, help me serve someone this day. Now, Father, may we, your people, look and act and serve like Jesus.